They were high school sweethearts that got married and had a kid. It's the Brunigs. In the swamp of D.C. they tweet all day, but that's okay. They're the Brunigs. She is a And now to welcome our special guests, we have David and Henry, also known as the Gravel Teens. These are the brains behind the Mike Gravel Twitter account and indeed the entire Mike Gravel 2020 presidential campaign as it is now. So we are welcoming them for a few questions. David and Henry, thank you for coming on the show. We're honored to come on the show. First time listener, or first time caster, long time listener. I screwed it up. I I also did this on the Current Affairs podcast. The first time I had like a witty opener and I immediately fucked it up. If this this were Rush Limbaugh, he'd have fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Off the air. No, so thank you so much for coming down. So you guys are 17 and 18. David, you're heading off to Oxford in the fall. Oh, I thought you. I, thought I was going to say United Kingdom. Okay, yeah. So I assume not that one. Yeah. Uh, the UK yeah, the one fall, yeah. in the fall, and Henry, you are at Columbia. Oh yep. right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming down. Uh, so, so how did you guys get political? Who who radicalized you? Where were you radicalized? Yeah, I mean, I think I think we radicalized each other <laughs> on some uh, on some level. My mom's always been like a pretty pretty hardcore Democrat, mainline down the middle. And uh, I remember back in 2008 being in my room when Obama won, and and maybe it was like 1, 2 a.m. and just heard screaming from downstairs, <laughs> like absolute over the moon screaming. In fact, the door of my house still has an Obama 2008 sticker on it Aww. to this day. And uh, it was back in the 2012 election that I was getting in uh, in fist fights with people in my middle school about uh, whether the Affordable Care Act impacted future death panels or not. <laughs> they, had, they had heard from all of their their grandparents that lived yeah. with them, et cetera. So his mom would have voted for Obama a third time if no, she could have. She would have voted for that him. That was a very clever for, reference. Forever. Okay. <laughs> very clever. <laughs> Jordan Peele were here. <laughs> we're here. You'd be oh applauding. But. Uh, but I think it was right around the 2016 election, and I think especially the primary, that I, I drifted maybe further to the left than my mom's politics. Yes. Um, and David's been a moving target politically since Indeed. the beginning. Um, but I, I think it was it was a bit of the influence of each other and the influence of uh, just the, the entire debate surrounding 2016, you know, especially seeing the energy, like the extraordinary progressive energy in the Sanders campaign just totally fall apart and, and yeah. get, I think, really, I, it was an exciting time. And at that time, I was phone banking and, and trying to help with the campaign and then to watch it all just fizzle so quickly when I went to the general election. And then especially, you know, we walked into school the day after after Trump was voted into office. And I think that was that Those was were not a, good. That was a miasma. I mean, there were people crying. A girl slapped this guy for wearing a MAGA hat. Like it was. <laughs> oh my God! It was really not carnage. Uh, not good. Yeah. It, it's quite a liberal American school. American carnage. It was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think it was right around then that we decided that uh, that it was probably important to to stop talking about 538 every day while not actually doing anything <laughs> in our own lives. <laughs> and so this is also a debate story. 
in oh, part. Yeah. You Oof. guys met vis-a-vis debate in high school. Mm. Yeah. David, your, your, yeah. Oh, your yeah. thoughts? <laughs> yeah. You know, I come from a traditionally socialist uh, family from Argentina. And we're, you know, we have uh, proud socialist roots. Then I spent like a year in ninth grade as a, as a libertarian. Rough stuff. But I think everybody <laughs> goes through that in high school. We've all yeah. been there. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you, you read a few pages. Actually, Microsoft like has been uh, training their AI, and it just reached the level of self-awareness that that's libertarianism. And they're hoping <laughs> to keep going where it gets beyond that. Yeah. Soon it will become uh, a full-blown, big-brain socialist. Oh. And then, uh, yeah, then, you know, we, we met through debate, and uh, Molly Wen, we, we always hated them more than anything. Uh, yeah. Very, gotta say, on the uh, on the net, not good for society. <laughs> I think it's. I think part of it is that you know when you're when you're young and you are interested in politics and you're interested in history and these subjects, like you want to put yourself out there in these ways. And so things like Model UN and debate, they appeal to you. And then you show up there and you realize how cynical oh, and fatuous yeah. everyone is. Yeah. Um, I, in fact, we were, we were on, the, on the drive here and we saw the, the hotels where uh, Model UN conferences had been in the past. And I was just thinking like, just, just the sheer bad energy that goes on there. It's like seeing deserted battlefields. Yeah, you know, exactly. Just the vibes, I mean, the vibes. I, it, it channels a real interest in policy and in the world and in current affairs and channels it into just pure ego and pure nonsense. Yeah. And I think along the way you learn, you know, you learn how to talk, you learn how to bullshit to people, but uh, you also learn just how full of crap most people are. Gotta yeah. say, bullshitting, valuable skill. Yeah. Very valuable. It's definitely gotten us this far. <laughs> I'd hope so. <laughs> okay. So you guys were pretty young when Gravel last ran. Oh yeah, I was yeah. seven. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, were you? You were not Gravel, uh, Gravel kids. You know, I wish. Gravel teens. Yeah, I would. I so wish I was that cool. cool. <laughs> I been so cool. I was, you know, I was like a. I did actually. I you know that I I was I guess briefly on the Gravel train in 2008. This was like very was part of the Gravelanche. This was Indeed. very early Facebook, and and the only way I understood how to be for a campaign, they used to have the causes. Now it's all collapsed into pages. Mm-hmm. Everything's a page page. They had like causes and they had a whole no- number of categories that are now just pages. And I was on the Gravel for President cause and the Mike or the <laughs> Dennis Kucinich for President cause mm. until they both collapsed. And then I went with Nader and then I actually joined his campaign. So I, I was briefly, <laughs> briefly for Gravel in 2008. Mm. I mean, that's the real, that's the, that's the political charge of the light brigade of that yeah. era. And I think, I think, you know, Gravel is someone who we, I mean, I, I knew about from the Nixon era in the last couple of years, but only recently did we start to learn about him and learn about 2008. And I think in a lot of ways it's, it's interesting because we're from a different era of leftist politics, one that I think really has its, its origins in 2015 and one that's very online, that's very centered around, I think, a couple of leftist t- uh, cultural touch points and one which is very divorced from Gravel. You know, he was way before before that time. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to rediscover him and see him using the same language and talking about the same things that is now, I think, it, not the center of the party, the center of, of maybe the left wing of the party. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of representative of people who've come along a decade after he ran. Mm-hmm. So like, how, how like did you guys make yeah. contact with Mike Gravel? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. <my> God. Uh, <laughs> well, so we have a, we have a uh, bit of a political group chat where we, we toss around ideas like this. And uh, we were talking about Andrew Yang at the time and, and about the, uh, the 65,000 donor cap. And, and we were just realizing, you it know... It would be really easy to get someone into the debates. It would really be really easy <laughs> to get someone into the debates, all things considered. And I think more than that, like, wow, isn't it crazy that, that there's all of this political tension? I mean, it's going to be the most covered election in human history. <laughs> and uh, that there's all this 
a focus on candidates like Yang, all these candidates mm -hmm. that are surging at the moment is right at the beginning of the, yeah. the Buttigieg moment. And, uh, and we're just thinking, why, why aren't any of them doing anything interesting with it? Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, I think universal basic income is a fine point, but Yang is like the wrong messenger and has the wrong ideas. And I, I, we were just thinking, why can't you take some of that online energy, some of that online you know, leftist uh, community and channel it into actually doing something yeah. that breaks out of this you know, subcultural world that, that, that from which no interesting things escape. <laughs> and since and since 2015, you know, significant energy had developed uh, to the left of Bernie. You know, where Bernie used to be kind of like the the leftmost point within the you know mainstream yeah. Democratic Party. Now there were you know people like AOC who oh, were incredibly yeah. to his left. Well, the, the great joke we, is we like to kind of fill that space. The great joke is like 2016 Bernie Sanders, 2017 you know hey I've just read Lenin it's it's pretty solid. You know, <laughs> 2018 you're like Mao had some good ideas, and 2019 you're Bernie again. But, <laughs> but I think I think where I've where we really came down was thinking, is there somebody that can push someone like Bernie to the left on issues, particularly when it comes to foreign policy yeah. and when it comes to electoral reform? You know, I, the Overton window has shifted on a couple of issues when it comes to representation, but one that it is absolutely not is anything in regards to, you know, direct demo uh, democratic representation or abolishing the Senate. You know, those are things that mm -hmm. are, I think, in some ways integral to actually accomplishing anything that Bernie talks about. Mm -hmm. You know, any real transformative politics in America, especially if you're somebody who genuinely believes that the means of production should, you know, be owned by the people, you need to acknowledge that that does not happen through our political institutions as they exist. Mm -hmm. It's just not feasible. You know, repealing Citizens United would not give us, you know, a Marxist right. revolution, right? And it wouldn't, it wouldn't even get us, I think, a, a third of the things that we want. Because what you actually need is to start you know, having a mass movement of people and a mass movement that uses the language of what we really believe as activists on the left. You know, mm -hmm. that's, that's as many steps down the road as we want to be a decade right. or two decades from now. Yeah. And so we're thinking, mm -hmm. you know, who can do that? And, so and then we heard about Gravel. Uh, Gravel. Gravel would be like the perfect kind of icon for, for such a movement. And so we found his email online. Uh, I sent him an email. And then like three hours later, he called me. Yeah. Uh, so like what, what did this email say? What did this initial email say? <laughs> no, it, was, it was like, you know, uh, I represent a small group of people and we'd be interested in, in drafting you drawn for president. Um, it'd be like, it would be like yeah, Wilson's camp or uh, yeah, like McKinley's campaign. campaign. Yeah. And he said, you know, it'd be like a front porch campaign. You wouldn't be campaigning. Um, and so, you know, I, I put my phone number in and he called me uh, and he said, I'm, I'm really not interested. I'm, I'm too old. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and so then, you know, gradually we... We, we worked him, him there. It. I mean, we would get on the yeah. phone with him and just, just ask him for his takes on everything. And, and he was just so right about everything. Mm -hmm. We asked him about it. I think I think what we started to realize was this guy is where left activists are. You know, he was where we are now a decade ago, you mm -hmm. know. And he was trying at a time where American politics wasn't ready for him. Like, there was not a Gravel constituency in 2008. And now it feels like 10 years later there really is yeah. on the left mm -hmm. flank of the party and, and really on the left flank of the country. And I think because of the way that he was like a super online candidate in 2008, mm -hmm. we kind of thought, you know, I mean, this was our pitch to him. Look, we're not going to have any money. We're not going to have any real serious backers or infrastructure. All we're going to have is this online leftist movement. And, you know, we, we told him about it. He took us on faith that this exists. Like he didn't know yeah. about, <laughs> about any of this stuff. And we, we just said, look, let us prove it to you. Like, yeah. let us prove that this really exists. And eventually yeah. we work him and he says, well, you can create an exploratory committee for me. Yeah. <laughs> and then we, we and David goes to FBC.gov. And, and we create uh, the exploratory <laughs> committee. And then like some guy on Twitter is like, huh, you know, some teens filed. I think he looked at, he nice like, prank looked up teens. On, <laughs> yeah. And he thought, he thought it was like, like a prank. 
Uh, and so, yeah, so I thought, we, called up Gravel, we, yeah. we need a way to dispel it. We need a way to show that Gravel is, is, is for it. And so at first I was going to create like a, an alternate Twitter, like, you know, Gravel 2020 or something. Uh, but then I called Gravel and he just gave me his Twitter password. Uh, <laughs> he just gave you the keys. Yeah, he's a really trusting guy. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's so cool. You know, one of the things he'd said, and, and, and especially just with how much we agreed with him on, he's just like, look, you guys know what I believe. You know what I care about. And you claim that you know what, what how these people talk, that you know what the online <laughs> left is like. So, so prove it to me. And, and we're just like, can we say anything? And he's like, so long as it's something I would agree with. <laughs> and, so you got uh, the maximalist sign off. Yeah. And so that, that night I was actually in Europe visiting family and uh, I was asleep as most of this was happening. Cause we, I, I got off the phone with Dave. We're like, we'll register the export trade committee. And I wake up the next morning with about a hundred missed phone calls. It's like, check Twitter, check Twitter. Andy. Get on Twitter right now. Get on Twitter. And meanwhile, everyone on Twitter is like, what is going on? Yeah. yeah. yeah it was and, a weird day. and the first thing I see is, is doing the SpongeBob, uh, upper and lowercase letters. Like <laughs> some of us like the center. Has he seen any of the response you've gotten on oh, Twitter? Yeah. I mean, we oh, read yeah. every, every night when we call him, we read through tons of responses. I mean, he has been, I, it's not only is he such an incredible person and, and I mean, his openness to all of this has been incredible. I think when we, when, when I went to go see him in California, he said, he's like, you know, you guys are using me and, and I don't mind being used. <laughs> and I think what, what was exciting to us was that here's this guy who has in, in a lot of ways thought that it, it was beyond him, you know, thought that these mm -hmm. issues, that he would never see any progress on them within his own lifetime. And who, even now, I mean, he's still working on a book about direct democracy oh, yeah. this many years later after he's left politics. And the fact that there was such a response was what excited him. And that's what, that's what led him to say yes to all of this. He said, look, you did, you proved to me that there are people, there's more people out there now than there was the last time I ran who believe in this. And because of the internet, there's more of an opportunity to do something with it than there was last time, that you can actually accomplish something. That's our belief, at least, mm. that you can accomplish something with this. And that's why he agreed to it. And I think that's where the maximalist sign-off came from. Yeah. And it's funny because yeah. <laughs> we sent things out, we sent out an email that said, fuck Henry Kissinger, where we just, uh, we talked about you know his quotes about bombing them all and all these other things. And uh, Gravel calls us up and he's, he's asking us, uh, us about the statement. He's like, guys, love the statement. Totally agree with everything. But can we, can we calm down on the language? You know, can we not, <laughs> not use the F word in there. I think yeah. that's just a little bit too far. Yeah. And he, had, he did tell us early on to, to stop making personal insults about, about some of the other candidates. So now, mm -hmm. we, now we just make them about, about policies and, and personalities. Yeah, I mean, what, he said, is, what he said is, and, and you can see it in every interview he's done so far. I mean, he's, he, he throws bombs. I mean, he's a, he's yeah. a, he's a fire breather. But uh, he wants it to be about substance. And I think that in a lot of ways, he knows that in order to really bring up these substantive things, you have to be coming from a position where you're, you're, uh, you're thought of as a loser, right? Where you don't, have, mm. you don't have this mainstream backing because it's been such a genteel primary so far. I mean, none of these yeah. candidates are willing to, to talk about really fundamental differences to the point where, you know, I talk to people on, on college campuses, people who should know better, who are saying, I mean, all these candidates are practically the same. That's what they say yeah. to me. They say they yeah. all believe the same things. They're all equally progressive, you know, that there's no real difference and that, oh, we'll be, we'll be good no matter who we get. And I think mm -hmm. that that is a real danger that, that mm -hmm. I think a lot of people on the left don't realize how important it is to be critical mm -hmm. in that way. And that's, that was the ethos of getting on Twitter. And also because we realized like all, all, all the left needs is good takes. That's all they, they seem see to the want. See the powerful takes. That's it. Yeah. Hmm. So it really, it's a take economy. Do you hmm. feel like you're sort of participating? I mean, you, you feel like it's almost like you're taking the torch from an older generation of left people who pushed as far as they could, and you're taking it and moving it further. 
Does it feel like that to you? Uh, sometimes, you know, it feels like, um, you know, we're kind of we're kind of taking the these uh, old missions that he uh, he kind of felt uh, he'd have to abandon. You know, like he hasn't seen progress. You know, direct democracy is, is kind of his, uh, uh, you know, his lodestar, and he hasn't seen any progress on it in, in yeah. you know decades. Um, and so, you know, in, in bringing these issues back into the fore, you know, it, it does feel that we're, uh, you know, that we're kind of reviving these these old fights and these old ideas. Uh, yeah. that you know haven't really been in the public discussion since uh you know he left the senate in right. 81. and i think i think part of the goal too is is building a bridge between that old energy and the new energy like mm -hmm. there's a reason why candidates like bernie i think do so well with leftists which is that they, they've been right all along you know yeah it's the kind of consistency where when you realize how decrepit and immoral our politics have been for all of American history, and especially in the era that someone like Joe Biden comes from, you know, yeah. somebody whose principal political accomplishment in his early era was making it okay for Democrats to oppose integration. Like that. Right, opposing is, busing. Right? I mean, that is, is something which is, is so indicative of a politics which infected everyone who was part of it, except for a couple of these, yeah. you know, crazy out there figures. I mean, Gravel was seen as, as an absolute. Mad man. That, when he yeah, was in everyone, the everyone wants kind of like a, a grandparent to, to tell them, you know, the way things really are. Yeah. To be honest with them. No, I, I think especially in this kind of neoliberal environment where you have this advertising that's very infantilizing when you have these these very real problems and you have someone Joe, like Joe Biden saying, you know, this younger generation, they say things are hard. I have no empathy for them. Right. That's the kind of messaging, which is not only really bad for Democrats and a losing message, but also which makes people, it makes them upset and they want somebody who's like their their grandpa who cuts yeah. through the bullshit, who tells them how things really are. Right. And it's like, it's the feeling that something went wrong so long ago. Oh, yeah. You yeah. almost need someone from a prior era who, who was like calling it Pete Buttigieg, who yeah. who grew up and succeeded in in the current system, and who you know has no real institute, who has no real interest in, in undoing the system yeah. that created him. No, I mean it's funny. It's funny when we talk to Gravel, and occasionally he says, you know, I I saw myself as fighting Eisenhower's fight. You know, <laughs> yeah, and I yeah. think about I think about this. You know, my God, we're fighting Eisenhower's fight yeah. in 2019. Yeah, the the same battles, the military industrial complex, oh, right. the, the the same issues. So if you can get Mike to the debate stage, mm. which you guys polled better than Cory Booker in Kristen a recent really Emerson funny. poll and Kristen Gillibrand. So, so you're knocking out these yeah. zero uh, who, point one percenters. David has met in person, which is yeah. an incredible <laughs> yeah. side to this. They're they're pretty nice folks in person. I got sure. Say. They're all yeah. politicians are great oh, in person. Yeah. That's how they get where they are. But yeah. but so so. But Mike Gravel is better than all of them. He's <laughs> so much. What is your aspiration? Is is he going to go to the debates if he if he's entitled to? Oh yeah, yeah. we think you know. It's, it's possible that he won't qualify for June, even if, if we do get to 65,000 in that case, we'll just do July, which mm -hmm. has the same rules. Um, but yeah, I mean, if he, if he does qualify for the debates, which we, we think is, is distinctly possible given, you know, not only how well we've, we've been polling, which has really been a shock to us, yeah. yeah, yeah, better than we deserve. I mean, I mean, here's the thing: you, you think uh, of someone like John Delaney. I mean, we were looking at his campaign receipts, right? Oh yeah, John we were cyberbullying him. I mean, yeah, we were cyberbullying John Delaney's uh, press secretary <laughs> the other day. But uh, told him to drop out, and then he responded. The press, he so John Delaney did like a tweet. You know that that like Crystal is like thing about like Game of Thrones that came out. I did see that. Candidates, yeah, yeah the 2020 so John candidates Delaney tweeted it out characters. saying like, I guess Delaware is my King's Landing. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. And then, uh, oh no, he's from Maryland. 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 Um, 
And so he, he's not he's not on Biden's turf. That's Biden's turf. That's Biden's but, turf. But no. And so we responded, you know, John, drop out. And then his press secretary responded, you know, you kids should go back to school. You're in you should be in class. Yeah. Uh, and so then we, we responded, you know, but we're we're out polling your boss. You should be in class. <laughs> Uh, and so we were, I feel a little bit guilty that we, that we were too mean to that guy. Well, what we were realizing was, you know, from the beginning, what we set out to do here, more than getting him to the debates, I mean, more than anything else was to prove that there's a constituency for these ideas yeah. inside the Democratic Party and in the country overall. And I mean, I think if you had gone back before this had happened, people would not have predicted that it, it went, <laughs> went the way that it did. Yeah. We would not have predicted oh, yeah. I mean, we, ha we had a vague idea that there would be an online group of people that would like this kind of thing. We had no idea that they would send us $140,000. And that's how much you've raised so yeah, far. Um, yeah, more money than we deserve. Way more money than we deserve. So what are you doing with it? Mostly nothing. Uh, I mean, we're trying we're, to We're get pouring them. it into ads, you know. Yeah, yeah. we're trying to get yeah. some ads. We're trying to... In, in an um, effort to make the debate so yeah, you to get yeah. the 65... No, it's, it's, it's all about making these ideas more public and, and also really proving that there's, that there's something here that's... Yeah important because i mean look we spent maybe a couple thousand dollars since the beginning of this campaign john delaney has spent millions of dollars and he's pulling underneath us yeah and to me that proves more than anything that it's not us like it's not gravel it's not us there's a, a real momentum it's and an a real energy. energy here that we're just tapping into that we're just you know becoming a face for it. in a lot of ways what we felt was there's people who think this all they need is somebody with some authenticity with some record yeah. to say what they think and then they will come behind it and they'll make it happen. And so, you know, if, if Gravel makes it to the debates, it's not because of us. It's because 65,000 people donated. Oh, yeah, agreed and, with them, And yeah. however many people, you know, who still have landlines for some reason said yes <laughs> in a poll. And, and I feel like all of that really contributes to a belief that what we're trying to do here is to get him in to say things which I hope will then be practicable, which will be at the center of the party mm -hmm. a decade from now, two decades yeah. from now. You so know, I don't, you're kicking it to another pair of teens... Oh yeah, twenty years from hopefully, now. I can't hopefully. wait till we're geriatric and, yeah. and somebody <laughs> smarter, takes over our Twitter smarter teens, smarter teens than us will one day. I wonder find if Gab will have taken over by then. Oh God! Oh God! That would be, that. be a dark turn. Well, it's a dark, dark future you're considering. There. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, you know that, that Eisenhower's fight is still on one hundred years from now. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> the planet mm -hmm. still exists, but I think that. Uh, that Eisenhower's uh, fight is only Bora's fight, too. Yeah. Which is only Brian's fight. Oh, you could go back forever. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, the Civil War industrial complex. Oh, God. But uh, I think... I think Actually, that's what, that's what Eugene Genovese thought. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think our plan has been, from the beginning, you know, prove that there's momentum here, get him to the debates. And then if you see what happened for him in 2008, which was he was totally unacknowledged, had absolutely no, you know, mainstream coverage or anything like that. And then when he was in the debates... And he was throwing fire. You know, people got behind him. I mean, he had a big moment because, mm. be, sorry, because of that. And I think it's our hope that we can get him to the debates. And I mean, we he is so fiery in person. I mean, he has so much energy and is so, you know, fixated on these things that matter to him. And he has so many great lines. I mean, oh yeah. And I think our real goal is if we can get him in front of a national audience and he can, we can get him saying these things, then that will allow for a, a sort of another media moment with mm. him that will prove here's this constituency inside the party you know it's five to ten percent of people that you know really could could sympathize with these views and then hopefully you know in the long game of the campaign that he drops out throws his support behind you know the most serious progressive left left in the field and and use that as a way of not just influencing them hopefully getting them to move to the left on foreign policy 
or on you know justice issues on their own platforms, but then also creating a bit of a, a, a point about this is something that you can do, right? That in the future you can run campaigns like this, that you can have people who are in there as progressive voices in order to let more electable progressive voices to give them mm -hmm. cover from moving to the left on these important issues. Our hope is that, you know, he's gonna go to the debates and he's going to be, I mean, I, we don't think that like, I think what he says, it'll be new to a lot of people and hopefully, uh, you know, people start to consider it. But I think part of it will be that he's going to be, you know, the left flank of, of candidates like Bernie and Elizabeth Warren. Uh, and hopefully, you know, instead of you know, viewing Bernie and, 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 and Liz Warren as, as, you know, these radicals, these, these crazies, right. people will think, you know, thank God we have these, these moderates like Bernie yeah. and Warren. Well, and, and the Democratic Party is so far right. I mean, just all of American politics is so yeah. latently to the right relative to Europe, relative to sure. other parts of the developed world. Not relative and to Australia, though. I found oh that out God. today. No, yeah. no, yeah. No, Australia is like a weird dream I had about America. Well, Australia <laughs> Australia is, is the living answer to the question of, well, what if you just made everyone vote? Yeah. Um, and also, they didn't care about politics. My, my father's actually Australian, and, uh, oh, I, yeah. and I have a, a bit of a connection to Australian politics. And the funny thing about Australian politics is that uh, the legend about Australia is that, you know, Boxing Day and Election Day are often right near each other. And on the next day's newspaper, you get cricket results, page one, election results, page five, mm. which is pretty much sums up the Australian attitude about politics. That, that, that's kind of that's kind of the dream, you know, that, that politics is like so, so minor a part of people's <laughs> lives that I don't know. I think maybe once you've fixed all of your problems, I mean, this is what yeah. happens when you have a country that goes 28 years without a recession. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your politics can ever. kind of recede into the background at that point. Exactly. So, some people have critiques of Mike's political mm. history. Anybody with a political career that long is going to have some periods where either things were different and in retrospect they don't look so great or they held a position they've evolved on. You know, Even Obama famously evolved on same-sex marriage, mm. for instance. Uh, so not unheard of with politicians who are treated as though they have a completely clean billing, mm. in other words. Um, but what have you made of the critiques of Mike's political history? Have you grappled with it or are you just doing something fresh and new? Yeah, I mean, we, we really had to grapple with this when we first called him. You know, when we were first talking to him, uh, some of the stuff came up. We asked he's, him he's about He's done some, some controversial stuff, I got to say. No, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I think what concerned us and what, what always concerned us from the beginning is, you know, one, does this compromise legitimate, you know, his legitimacy, does it compromise his ability to make a difference? And also, you know, we're, we're, we're trafficking in a lot of ways on authenticity. You know, we're trafficking on the same thing, someone like Bernie Sanders is, which is mm. to say, this candidate has ha always had their heart in the right place, you know, that they've always been fighting the good fight. And that's, you know, it's not true that they've always made the right decisions. That's also true of Bernie, you know. Sure. And I think that's something that, you know, concerned us. And what ultimately answered that concern for me was that, you know, when we asked him about this stuff, when we would confront him about it, when we would present the So what would you bring up? What would you confront yeah, him about? Yeah, so I, the, the best example would be um, a few years ago, you know, he went on this, like, radio show with, like, a Holocaust denier. Mm -hmm. And, okay. you know, we asked him about it saying, you know, <laughs> you know, sir, this is really not okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, he's, and he actually, you know, he didn't really know who the guy was and I uh, didn't know that he was a Holocaust denier. And he said, you know, had I known like uh, I, I wouldn't have done it. And yeah. on one hand, that's that's kind of an, you know, not not a, a fully adequate answer because 
You should probably do research on, on the people well, whose podcast invites you accept. And I think I think but, it's I and think we have. I we've know. done plenty. <laughs> so you no. know you know I'm canceled. I don't have to tell you. Oh no, you are. Yeah. Well, what was, happened was, on Twitter? No, My God, <laughs> I was not following. No, it was our intention. It was, it was our intention in starting this campaign to get to cancellation as quickly as possible <laughs> to just get that out of the way for You'll the rest there. of our lives. Don't worry. So we don't have to worry about so it. So there was an attempt to use these sort of past mistakes that Mike has no. made to do a cancellation, but it didn't seem to actually take. And here's here's it was really it's. It's lucky that it happened like on the first day. Yeah, and it's lucky that all the stuff I, was on the Wikipedia. And you know, we, we came, <laughs> we we came right forward with it. You know, yeah. we came f- and and also with the fact that we're teenagers and the fact that we're not Mike. You know, on the we were the, the literally like the third tweet David sent out is, oh no, this is this is you know Mike's staff, right? Like people, it's two teens in a trench it's coat. It's two teens yeah. in a trench coat, and I think <laughs> we're gonna buy a trench coat. Soon. <laughs> we, we've been waiting. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of heavy. My shoulders are not very strong. Yeah, but uh, what 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 I think we really felt in talking to him was. Where he's made these mistakes, he always made them for for sort of the right reasons, right? He made them because his causes have been so marginal in the past that who gave a shit about him, like who invited him, who wanted to talk to him, where he got any play, where he found supporters, where, you know, anybody wanted to talk to him was often weirdos, was often wackos, you know? On the margins. And I think Mm. he got pulled into being marginal. You know, he was pushed in, in that direction, and I think it frustrated him in a lot of ways, and he was so unwilling to stop trying that I think that's where those bad decisions yeah. came from. You know, he, it's funny, he actually, in 2008, one of the things he said is, I'm the only candidate up here who's gone bankrupt twice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is true. <laughs> and, that's uh, a great experience. And that's, that's a kind of radical honesty that, that Mike has that I think is fascinating that, you know, he says, look, all these mistakes, everything politically that I've done, you know, the Alaska pipeline, things like that, they, they've all come from these desires and these beliefs that I have about wanting to help people and about what my politics are about. And when he makes those mistakes, you know, we confront him with it and we say, here's why we think these were the wrong decisions. And he's always, he's always, you know, seen that, right? He's always seen that light and he's always acknowledged it. You know, he's been willing to just come straight out and say he was wrong about things in a way that I did not think politicians did <laughs> at all. Um, and, and, you know, I think that he, he's always said, this is not so much about me as it is about the people who support this. Mm you know, that I'm 88 years old. And in some ways, it's actually really good that he is so, you know, uh, uh, outside of mm-hmm. the, the political n- you know, norm and mainstream, the fact that he's on his way out is because he gets to be a, a figure and a, a, someone who represents something that's a lot bigger than himself. That's not just about him. And I think he right. really wants us to carry that torch further, you know, that he wants this to be about a movement and not about him. Mm-hmm. And I think all of that really... It really reflects the fact that so long as he was trying to fight the good fight and is, is still trying to fight it today, I, I think we can forgive a lot of that because we understand that the, the power of this moment and the power of what he could do, saying these things and everything he said in 2008, you know, uh, uh, and everything that he's acknowledged being wrong about, all of it, I think, is indicative of the fact that, you know, he's trying so hard and though he hasn't always succeeded, he hasn't always made the right decisions, there's a potential that if he has good advice, that if, you know, you channel that energy in the right direction, it can be an extreme force for good. And I would challenge our detractors, you know, I would challenge people who have very justified criticisms of Mike and of what we're trying to do. You know, I I, I would present to them what we're actually trying to do here, which is expand the dialogue on this small set of issues, get a serious progressive candidate elected and get them elected with this in their platform, right? And to read our platform, of course, read what Mike's actually advocating for today, right right now, and not, you know, anything else. And, and, And tell me why that couldn't work, why that, you know, couldn't 
at the very least, why that is is more harm than good, because I yeah. don't believe that's true. Mm. And I think that when when people really look at that and they honestly reflect on it, I think that that's proof that 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 this at the very least is not harmful. Yeah. You know, in the way that I think people have tried to characterize it, I think mm. very dishonestly. Yeah. Right. And there are plenty of politicians who have similar stuff they just get away with because. Yeah. People decide that those are forgivable mistakes. Right. And, and you know, Mike is not asking to be president <laughs> right, right, in the right. way that some other people are asking to be president. Mm-hmm. You know, what he's asking for is for you to believe in what he's talking about and yeah. believe in what his vision for America is, even if you don't believe in him and, and even if you support someone else. Because in a lot of ways, supporting Mike is more about making a statement about what matters to you and what should matter in American politics than it is about making a statement about the 2020 primary. So it sounds like you can support Gravel in, in 2020 here and support... Oh yeah, and a candidate Bernie. who is taking yeah. another. I mean, so, so is that the, that that's a pairing that you see common? If you're, <laughs> true if you're polled, us. please support us. But yeah, you know, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, we've always said that you can be a Bernie supporter and a Andrew Gravel supporter. I don't yeah. think you can be a Biden supporter and a Gravel supporter. Yeah, we'd prefer that, that you don't support anyone who's polling worse than us, though. That yeah, would, that, that would, yeah, that would, would pull you down. So, so cut off. how far you're running a lightweight shop, but you are yeah. raising money. They one hundred and forty thousand dollars they raised so far. So, where do you think you'll? put up you know put it away or call you know pack it in for the day do you how, have many, how many donations do you have are so you about thirty six thousand. right okay. now. so you need to roughly double that yeah we what's do, the deadline do. for this so we have till uh, about june 12th um, june 12th if we want to go for the june debates uh although the the rules they the way they have it is that even if we did qualify uh through donations most likely because there are going to be 20 candidates qualify by polling most likely even then we'd be excluded if we want to go for the july debates then we'd have an extra month uh, so you get to sixty-five thousand. Yeah, and we think by then we we probably have gotten in enough uh, enough polls. Yeah, uh, and so we're we're confident. Wait, right. so what's the polling threshold? So three is three Democrat DNC approved polls at one percent, uh, okay. and the thing that. We Not have, too hard. yeah, you guys yeah, have th- had some one percent polls, no, right? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, we've been our, our solid polling average has been about one percent, one point five percent in everything we've been put in so far. So, and have any uh, of those polls been DNC approved so far? Uh, one, we got 0.5 in one DNC, in one DNC polls, approved, but then they, they didn't round it up. Yeah, the problem is there's a lot of lagging indicators here, which we is just that need people to round it up. Yeah, <laughs> well, even when we get even when we get put in polls, it's like it takes weeks for them to finish getting the results. Yeah, so that's been a frustration. But one thing we did realize, and it, you, you'll see this if you actually dig into the 2020 primary, uh, very few people have that many unique donors. You know, when you you actually dig into it, there's only like four or five candidates that have qualified via donors at all that have more than Mm -hmm. 65,000. And when you look at someone like John Delaney, I I believe his last filing showed he has like less than 6,000 donors. You know, that's because these people... uh, And Gillibrand's struggling as well. Gillibrand's on Instagram begging Here's the thing. They have like 20 times as much money as us, but they're raising it from max out dinners and fundraisers. Right, right. You know, we don't don't even know these people. We couldn't call them to max out. Although it would be a nice dinner. We did have a couple people send us Well, We're going to have a great dinner for you. You can max out on fried chicken tonight. We yeah, had a, we had a couple of people send us four hundred and twenty dollars, which uh, Susan nice. Saranda, are we allowed to say that like specific donors? Okay, you know what? It's never mind. That. Never mind. That's okay. Off the record. All right, um, <laughs> off the record. <laughs> but uh, actually, I think it's fine. Susan okay. Saranda sent us hundred dollars, and I thought it was very nice. There okay. we go. We'll it's Google like it. you know, nicer Could've than. Would more. you like her address? We have <laughs> 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 nicer so. than someone sending you sixty nine dollars. Uh, That's happened plenty. Nice. So the the other thing too is that a third or four twenty doing. Yeah. So the the. The thing that we're really feeling in terms of uh, what the potential is here, like why this could really work, is because um, 
once we realized that, we saw that they're going to rank it by poll numbers and by donors after that point. And yeah. so we're realizing, and this is the strategy of someone like Tulsi Gabbard right now, which is get so many donors, get 80, 90,000, yeah. such that you can solidly be always meeting that threshold and beating all the other candidates, you yeah. know, even if your polling gets weaker and weaker. Um, and I think that's, that's kind of the hope that she can make an argument to say in the debates that way. Um, our hope is that we're strong enough on donors that we're beating a lot of these lower tier candidates. Mm -hmm. And then we can just get those polls. And then once we have those, um, I think there's a pretty good shot that we'll be in that top 20. But, mm. you know, if we're in that top 20, Gravel goes on one, maybe two debates, yeah. and he says these things, and he gets a national audience. And I think that would be very exciting. And I think it would be a real moment where progressive candidates like Sanders would see that there's there's room for them. There's a bright line here. I think a yeah. lot of their staffers wish that they could be more outspoken about things like, for example, the fact that we're going to do a rock war two in Iran <laughs> or like yeah, yeah. All, all this other thing stuff that that's foreign policy that, you know, that's not effective in a political primary in the way that, or rather that, that it's not seen as good politics in the yeah. primary. And I, I want to prove more than anything that you can have these positions in your platform, that, that there's a real room for this and that you can run on it too, you know, at least within the primary. And, uh, I think we could prove that by going on stage, but I think we could also prove that by having Gravel uh, doing live responses to the debate, which is something that we're planning yeah. on doing if he doesn't make it there, in having uh, uh, sort of being a part of that primary conversation. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, at the end of the day, after July, you know, whether we made it to the debates or not, we're going to be really thinking about, you know, who's left as a serious progressive, who yeah. has a real shot at winning, and then how can we really throw Gravel's ideas and his momentum behind one of these people. So he's actually working on his book right now, which should be coming out around July. Taking a long time on it. It's taking, well, the problem is... We um, keep on interrupting. We keep on calling him when he's trying to work yeah, on the Yeah, the problem book. is... So do you guys talk <laughs> nightly? You were saying yeah, you just, just about. Yeah. Um, and he, he was having a you know full time working on, the, on his book. And then uh, now we schedule like six interviews for him a day. Yeah. And he's, uh, he's, a little, he's a little burden. We actually, <laughs> we actually were doing a photo shoot for a, a New York Times Magazine piece. And he was with Dave Weigel, and we had to call him up or, or call up his wife, Whitney. We had to call her up mm -hmm. and have her interrupt the interview to come yeah. get, get him on a Skype call for the photo shoot. So he's a little bit uh, stretched for time in trying to finish his book. Yeah. But when he finishes it, what it is is it makes the argument for why electoral reform is necessary to achieve any progressive policy. Yeah. Why I think there's a strategic argument to be made that if you're not serious about changing the way the Senate works, if you're not serious about abolishing the filibuster, et cetera, I mean, it's a bare minimum. You're, you're not mm. serious about your policies. You're yeah. not serious about Medicare for all if you're not serious about these things. And I think that is going to be interesting because he it's not just like anti-war where he's one of very few people saying it. He will really be the first person saying it, mm. yeah. you know, on, on a national level at all. And my hope is we're enough of a story then that that gets coverage, that he can go out and talk about mm -hmm. it, and that that can be something that's in that conversation. I don't expect someone like Bernie Sanders to put that in their platform, but I do want to show that that's going to be a part of what people like Justice Dems are running on, right? That's, that's mm -hmm. going to be a part of what the down-ballot races in 2020 will be about, and I think what hopefully presidential races years going into the future will be about as well. And I think he really wants that to be his legacy. Mm -hmm. And I mean, he's told us that, that one of the conditions for us doing this is that we keep going, you know, that yeah. we keep, keep crusading for these issues, you know, after this campaign. Yeah. So that's something that we're, we're very certain that we want to do. I think we're right now trying to think what's the most effective way to go from, you know, dunking on people on Twitter to <laughs> uh, maybe actually changing something. That sounds really, really exciting. I'm very inspired. 
Yes, I you have know. To admit. Please we'll don't uh, we'll put uh, donor uh, info in the, we'll put it in the show, show notes. notes. You know, yeah. microvel.org uh, uh, at microvel on Twitter. We're trying to cross uh, John Delaney. I think who's the next person no, we have to cross? We John Delaney oh, we did cross day. John Delaney. You're right. Oh, we're trying to cross Matt Chrisman. That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay. Three thousand followers away from crushing Matt Chrisman, who yeah. uh, had some really mean takes about us. Yeah. <laughs> the Chapel guys have not been kind. They've not been kind. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's funny because I think the the early part of the story was very much about uh, these are teens. They're too online. Yeah. They, they like Chapo too much. The funny thing is, David and I are a lot a lot less cool than maybe the people think we are, <laughs> and a lot less online too. Yeah, but um, yeah. I'm hearing only virtues. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> I think that we're just people who, having grown up in Hell World, like maybe seeing a, a lot of our politics just be so depressing in our own yeah. lifetimes, but at the same time realizing that there's this online way of talking that is very, you know, it, it has this tone of cynicism and it has a bit of a tone of sort of a, a postmodern detachment from things. You know, it's about joking about them it's about satire but at the same time weirdly it has a deeply moral core to it it's yes. really about trying to change things and i think if, if we understand anything we understand that kind of way of talking mm. the way of talking which is it's humorous and it's mean maybe mm -hmm. and it, it doesn't really hold anything back you know that that may be the interesting thing about what we put out on twitter is that we're just more honest than anyone else um but at the same time which is about and really concerned with changing things in the way the world works, you know, that I think where where I would always go after people, you know, especially the centrists who are like, ah, real cool that you're reaching out to drill there on Twitter. That's a real uh, serious presidential campaign move. You know, I would challenge them, like, what the fuck is a serious presidential campaign? Yeah, yeah. You know, seriously. I think John Delaney is running a significantly more pathetic and humorous campaign than we are. You guys are. have to, yeah. like, drink a cold one in the in the kitchen. That's yeah. the key on no, Instagram exactly. Live. No, exactly. You got to drink cold ones on Instagram Live. You got to go get ice cream. <laughs> We gotta go get your you hair know, cut, shake hands with some farmers. I, that's a really good idea. We just do Photoshop. Exactly. Doing all that stuff. Well, we <laughs> see ourselves in, in many ways as, as the anti-campaign. You know, we're we're a bit of the uh, the anti-Budishish campaign. The anti yeah. you know because we're we're so unpolished. We're we're so un uh, you know orthodox in that way. And what we're actually trying to do is to I think you know pierce the veil and, and tear away some of that facade. Like. Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of crazy to me that we're falling back into all these old ideas about how our politics works, that, that the dream of Joe Biden is make America 2015 again. And uh, that, that the whole mythos of that is to just believe that there, there, there's some real core at the heart of our politics, that mm -hmm. Trump is an aberration, that, you know, things being absurd and terrifying is just, you know, a weird trick of the eye and that it'll all go away when we get back to our means testing. <laughs> And I think it's it's terrifying that we might fall back into that. And totally possible. It's totally possible that we get a Biden presidency mm -hmm. and, and then Tom Cotton 2024. 20, mm -hmm. And oh. that's terrifying to me. And I think that's more than anything why we felt like we needed to do this. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We are looking forward to putting the cast up. We will put the donor info in the show notes. And let's hope we can get Mike on the stage because it sounds like all good things from there. I mean... Oh. 
you just gotta you gotta see him. You gotta see him go. I mean, I <laughs> just shooting shooting the shit with him in his home. He, he's a lot cooler than us. <laughs> he's just <laughs> such a cool guy. He's got and the he, shades. He talks about he when does. when John Ehrlichman called him up to yell at him. <laughs> he's got his stories too. Oh God! Know? And when Howard Dean excommunicated him from the DNC, I mean, just incredible stories. Blessed excommunication. We exactly. just have quiet. You. Yeah, we just have stories of like a quiet youth in in the suburbs of New York yeah. City. He's got all these cool stories of being threatened by the Nixon White House. I know. David, <laughs> David ran for mayor once. I lost. The most exciting thing that we've done so far is DM Andrew Yang on Twitter. That's true. <laughs> He's actually pretty nice on, on in the oh, Twitter he DMs. Seems like, he seems like a Great decent, guy. decent yeah. guy. Williamson, yeah. too. Look, I think more than anything, you know, once we get our spirit crystals healed, then America is totally on the right <laughs> yeah. track. Beautiful. She already hit 65,000. Yeah, oh, she's I And that's the crazy thing. I was saying, you know, five candidates make 65,000. Like Andrew Yang, Tulsi Gabbard, and, uh, and oh, Mary Bernie Williamson are, are three yeah. of those. Yeah. yeah. You know, when you when you realize it, I mean, God, and then uh, Joe Biden, the greatest thing ever in, in the statements that his campaign put out about his first day fundraising was that, uh, oh, you know, 90% of his uh, online fundraising was, uh, it was, like was under, under $200. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm telling you in the overall in the overall numbers, it will be yeah. much lower. I think uh, Biden is looking at a very clever way to do uh, 2008 fundraising uh, in a, a very clever and mm. hidden way. The funny thing is, is that by like most metrics, we're doing better than like you know, most other... We're definitely doing better than Seth Moulton by every metric. Hey, look, we've never been ratioed on Twitter. Okay. That's true. Unlike Bill <laughs> de Blasio. That's a victory you got to take all the way to the end. Yeah. Like Bill de Blasio's birth name is Warren Wilhelm Jr. <laughs> I found that out yesterday. He was born Warren Wilhelm Jr. His stepfather... He took his, his stepfather's name, de Blasio, so he became Warren de Blasio. Then as a child, everybody called him Bill, so he became Bill de Blasio. You shouldn't be allowed to do that. You should cut all this for the podcast. Misleading. Yeah. <laughs> I would never vote for a guy named. At least it's not Beto. I would never vote for a guy named Warren Wilhelm. Warren Wilhelm. It's very aristocratic. It's yeah. super, super Tony. Yeah. All right. All right. Thank Thanks you, Thanks for teams. coming. Thank Warren you. Warren Wilhelm bye is bye. Like, like a guy bye. got kicked out of Dalton. Yeah. yeah.